Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. This week, it's time to talk about the forces. The mystic forces. Folks, let me show you the forces. On System Mastery. start by referencing the Storybots show on Netflix. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's that, that, that doesn't immediately brand us as two people that live with toddlers, does it? <laughs> the forces. <laughs> that's going to be good for maybe a couple of parents out couple, there. Yeah, of, of all of our listeners, a few parents will be like, holy shit, they're referencing Storybots, and it's not just that rap about the planets. <laughs> it's, it's that one episode where they have to learn how an airplane flies. What up? I'm the sun. <laughs> So hot, <laughs> made of hydrogen and helium. <laughs> oh man, oh. Mercury, smallest planet, small as Earth's moon. <laughs> it's my time to shine. <laughs> oh man, I can't, I can't give Sage the Storybots Netflix show because she's scared of uh, big, per- big size perspectives. So because the Storybots like live in a computer, when they come out, they're like an inch tall, and so they're always meeting like. You yeah. know, giant celebrities. So they'll be like, they'll be like, hi, we're the Storybots. Mara Wilson, you can explain math to us. And say, so just like, turn this off immediately. Matilda's 35 feet tall. And I'm scared. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I've never, I don't even know if there's a Mara Wilson one. <laughs> that was just the first celebrity that popped to mind. That's a weird pick for the first celebrity to pop to mind. I follow her on Twitter. She's awesome. <laughs> Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. It's a weird pick. <laughs> okay, that's very fair. She seems like the sort of celebrity who's at the right range to show up on uh, something like Storybots. No way. You get like a bunch of. I know they get some big names. SNL people mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Hader. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Bill Hader. Can you, in a word, describe the uh, the opposite of ordered effects? Chaos. <laughs> Boop. Anyway, we were, we're going to be talking about Mystic Forces today. I'm Jeff. That's John. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey, we're System Mastery. Welcome to System Mastery. We find old role-playing games, and we read them, and we talk about them. Yeah, now this is one that uh, has been like a month and a half in the making because I had originally selected this book to do a while ago, but then I realized right before, like a few days before we were going to do it, I was like... Oh shit! It's October. We need to do spooky things. Yeah, so we so did we zombies. Put it off for a month. Yeah, we did zombie ween. So we both read it, and then I, in my, uh, in my standard way, completely forgot literally everything. Oh, this book. Hell, I'm forgetting it now. Like, oh, as, yeah. in my mind, it's, it's. I can see it running away. Nothing uh, in this book sticks. I've read yeah. this book twice, uh-huh. and then made a character and like reread more of it, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Nothing. This no. is nothing. I can I can kind of get some Eternal Sunshine graphics inside my head right now to describe the feeling of having recently read this book. Mystic Forces has Teflon words. <laughs> they are sliding <laughs> off my brain. So what we have here is, I don't really want to say it's a heartbreaker, because um, I don't think it is. No. It doesn't, it doesn't attempt to emulate D&D. It feels like if it was attempting to e- emulate anything, it, it's... And this is only in a very oblique way, and I, I've forgotten the name of it, but that 
religious game about dragon people, uh, warriors or whatever that we did a while back. The one that's yeah, the one that was like, ah, uh, your pastor wants you to play an RPG that isn't satanic. Yes, exactly. And then that's only because of some similar words, uh, a very strong sense of good v evil being a big part of it, and like how how you, the entire game is about defeating evil and there's no gray area or anything. You play a hero and you fight bad guys. And also the kind of intro, uh, the intro starts with a whole kind of defense of role-playing games and is like, hey, I know uh, there's a lot of word going down about how games like this are, are bad news, man. <laughs> you might have heard some things on the street about RPGs, yeah. but I'm here to tell you about the original game master, God. <laughs> Spins, spins chair, spins hat. <laughs> Spin city. <laughs> it seems that a large portion of the general population has serious misunderstandings as to just what role-playing and role-playing games are, and most of these misunderstandings are in the line of thinking that role-playing games are evil or are a type of brainwashing. <laughs> That's right. So many people think RPGs are a type of brainwashing. They are no more negative or harmful than any other type of card or board game, and in many respects are no different than any other type of entertainment media. Why, to say that all role-playing games are constructive and have no indecent and inappropriate material would be as untrue as saying that there are no movies with indecent and inappropriate contents. Certainly, there are more role-playing games on the market that have some pretty harsh or indecent content. Ooh, hey. bad. But there are many out there that are very clean and respectable. <laughs> and respectful. And so well-spoken. They'll, they'll say hi to your mom. <laughs> like many things in life, you simply must be careful with what you buy to entertain yourself. That's right. And this is from around 2000, if, you're, if that's See, what you're that's, looking. I was looking at it because yeah. I was like, I remember this being late for needing to do that. Like, if you put an RPG out and it was 1990, mm -hmm. sure, maybe you would put that right, in there. Right, because the Satanic Panic was coming to a close towards, as the 80s did. Yeah. So to see that that kind of like, ah, uh, there's a lot of word going around. Hey, <laughs> some people might think that RPGs are the work of the devil. I'm like, no, no one has thought that for at least a decade. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, this is 2000. Uh, it, this is already the point where RPGs are starting to enter the mainstream and become a little bit cool. Oh, yeah. It's I not mean, all the way yet, but it's getting there. I mean, you're about to get or probably have gotten, I don't know exactly the mm -hmm. date when 3X uh, came out. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know. Uh, 2000. Yeah. yeah uh, I was, 3X so I'm is like, uh, 2000 to 2008 was the yeah, uh, yeah. I just don't know if it was before or after this, but I'm like. This is about the time when you were going to start really seeing a big turn for RPGs. But even then, you still had, this was after the establishment of White Wolf games. This was after you already had Rifts. D&D &D was big still. This was like 17 years after the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show for kids. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the idea that they'd hit the point where they had to like prove them to be like, hey guys, everyone look out. This isn't Satan talk we're about to do. Oh yeah. And so much of this book feels like someone made this in 89 and then stumbled on it and published it in 2000 because the art, the... <laughs> the art's the, uh, very singular. Oh my God, the art in this... <laughs> it's adorable. ...is just somebody's cousin is like, I can do art. And you're like, oh, sure you can, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to admit, imagine that somebody's cousin was told that they were going to be drawing a bunch of like warriors and wizards and stuff for some kind of game. And then when they were presented with what you can play as in this game, they were like, oh, fuck you. I don't want what I, I don't want to draw any of that because because one of the neat things, I mean, the art to, to, to simplify is very childish. I mean, this is 
Gygax level art. A little the old yeah. school D and D where it's like. This is someone's motherfucking scribbles. Yeah, it's very scribble. It's very uh, first draft, basically. Yeah. They're like, we need a drawing of a thing. Here it is. Done. Go, yeah. No, yeah, no notes. I will take no notes. Look, I'm not inking this motherfucker. I'm not putting any more effort than penciling down a Robert Zadar looking wart motherfucker, and that's it. Yeah. But one of the things, like I was saying, I think he must have been surprised to learn that there are no humans. There are no elves, there are no dwarves. Uh, one thing you can say for this game is that it's got an original setting TM. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that there's so much about the setting in this that is so generic while coupled with the desire to not be the same as everything else. Yes. Because the standard idea of like, oh, this is a world where light and dark are fighting constantly and the dark was winning so that the light made champions. And you're like, this is the most fucking no creativity, shave off the serial numbers Once type of thing. Once upon a time, there were bad guys and good guys arose amongst the bad guys and were good. And then as the good guys started to win, some of the good guys were bad guys. Yeah, it's just the most... Like, ah, there was bad, and then good came, and then bad got worse, and good got better, and then it got real neutral, but now you're good again. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty straightforward setting. Uh, it's very much one of those, like, really morality enforced by the world type. There's stuff here that I like, I'm, I'll, I'll say. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I like this game. It, it, it's uh, it, it's not a good rule set. No. Um, But... There's stuff in the story that I think is imaginative in sort of a, oh, that's cute. I want to put that on the fridge kind of way, it, which I, I know that sounds ultra patronizing and that's intentional. No, but yeah. it really does feel like this is someone's first attempt mm -hmm. at writing a fantasy setting because they're like, all right, I, I'm going into this going like, well, I'm not going to do Tolkien because everyone else has done that. I'm original, but you're still like. 14 so you're like there were bad guys and you're like, oh well you don't have much of a good idea but <laughs> at least you were like i don't have dwarves i've got people that look like dwarves but they don't act like them <laughs> yeah i feel like also you're 14 and the most advanced book you've ever been allowed to read is the bible followed shortly thereafter by i don't know the chronicles of narnia <laughs> followed shortly thereafter by the Chronicles of Riddick <laughs> and the Chronicles of Prydane. And the, the, that's all you've read. Uh, just Chronicles. <laughs> Look, all I got in me are Chronicles. And the only game. movie you've ever seen is Chronicle. <laughs> uh, and of course, the only album you own is The Chronic. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, it, it feels like it's some, yeah, like 14 year old kid just come, uh, coming home from Bible camp wrote this is what it feels like. I'm sure that's not the case. Oh, of course not. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's not an Aragon situation we're looking at here. <laughs> this is this is grown adult and a lot of his, his friends and coworkers making working hard to make a game. But the end result between the uh, c colored pencil look and art and the uh, the very basic good versus evil on a fantasy world that never was uh, structure, it feels very beginner. Yes. Honestly, I mean, just because it's in my mind right now because of the show and everything, this really feels like someone read Wheel of Time. Oh. Because it's very much the dark versus the light, mm -hmm. and the magic system, the titular mystic forces are the elements plus spirit, which is the magic system in Wheel of Time. Okay. 
and you know you have different levels of how good with any of them you are it it definitely feels like that and they went oh but the only thing that really exists in wheel of time is humans and then some monsters so fuck it i'll make a whole bunch of weird things right i i am extremely unfamiliar with wheel of time because i tried to read it once i got like 30 pages in and i was like nope i do not want to read about mutton anymore yeah and no I- you had the same response to wheel of time that most people do to lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope fuck the hobbits i don't give a shit anyway i'm done <laughs> Concerning Hobbits is the best chapter in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> but but I, I don't know. I, I have a super low mutton tolerance. I think that's literally a thing. I, I can get through maybe two to- two mentions of specifically mutton, and then I'm like, nope, too Renfair. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'll give it to you. The first couple chapters of the first Wheel of Time book is very Renfair. Like, that's, that is a very fair criticism. <laughs> it just, it, I, I, I don't really, generally speaking, like most fantasy book series. Um, and, and well, I, you're a sci-fi gentleman. I am more of a sci-fi guy, um, and a fry guy. And a shy guy. And a try guy. <laughs> oh, uh, pending. I, I've, I've sent him my application like 300 times. I don't know. I've told them, hey, try guys, how about a try guys let a new or try letting a new guy on the squad to have some fucking money? And they're like, uh, that's a great try. But no, no, we're not going to try that. <laughs> uh, plus, we already got a gay one. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but do you have a fat one? <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> do you have one that shouldn't be in front of a camera? <laughs> Face for radio, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway i don't know if the is sedai which is one of the terms i know because i have a friend who like was a sheriff on a wheel of time mush for 30 years lol <laughs> i don't know if the is sedai have secret bad ones yes okay well yeah then this is very wheel of time yeah no there's <laughs> it very much feels like someone got influenced by that mm-hmm. and then tried to make their own setting for it but the actual setting in this also feels very tacked on mm-hmm. like the races and the powers and everything is sort of what they were going for because there's like four pages that tell you what the background is and it's just like there was evil then there was good and then there was more evil and there was more good and now it's like 200 years later and now evil is coming back and you're one of the good ones yeah there's um there's a lot of stuff here in the setting that's interesting like uh, th- he basically just does uh, the author basically does everything he can to make you aware that this isn't earth so first of all the planet doesn't orbit it just sits there it's hanging in space just in the firmament hanging brain the in sun the... <laughs> and it's not geocentric either uh instead the uh the, the sun is stationary above one spot on the planet yep and so and then it just kind of turns on and off the sun just kind of goes in and out like uh it just yeah yeah like a, in, yeah. instead of it being like, like sh- oh the reason the it gets darker is the sun moving away and going onto the other side of the planet it's like oh no the light actually just fades away yeah helios is up there in his chariot just fiddling with the dimmer switch <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the uh that's it that's the chronology <laughs> the god chronology of this world uh but they do say that like yeah because the sun is parked over one spot that spot's an inhospitable desert populated only by the kind of animals and monsters that would live in an inhospitable desert uh and on the other end of the planet because the sun gets over there but not like a lot of the heat from it or anything it's an intolerable iceland yeah 
Gratz, you live on flat Earth theory. Yeah, pretty much. Or some mini star. You live on tidally locked planet is basically the the end result. Like that's where the Twi'leks live in Star Wars. Is one of those planets. It's like where the hot sti- side's hot and the cool side's cool. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the planet <laughs> DLT. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, waste of styrofoam. Those Twi'leks. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but but. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a neat idea for the chronology that the planet's just hovering and that things don't change in the sky. The, st- the stars always look the same. There's no mention of a moon or anything like that, so I don't really, I couldn't give any more than that. Also, the whole story about how hundreds of years ago evil rose and so on is completely original. There are five races. I don't particularly like that they are colloquially or collectively referred to as the ruling races. Uh, that seems troublesome i mean the name seems troublesome but then you're like oh there aren't any other sentient races though it's not like we're the ruling races and then there are our slaves well there are lesser intelligent races some of them there, there's at least one in, in the monster manual the wolf wolfrids or wolfen or whatever which are like wolf guys that are intelligent and they're just not a ruling race it's just okay to do whatever to them and they don't get <laughs> <laughs> i mean for the most part the game is like either you're one of the good races or you're one of the evil ones. Yeah, the Shadowkin, the bad guy races that kind of burble up out of the ground and are automatically evil. Yeah. Uh, still, I, it's uh, I'm just saying, ruling race to me is one of those things where no, the you hear term it, you're is like, bad. You're like, ooh, <laughs> that's kind of like when you and I were at that metery the other day. Ah. Excellent metery, lovely people running it, called the Lost Cause metery. Red flags. <laughs> See, only for you. <laughs> nope half the listeners immediately recoiled when i said that just nope, now not even close <laughs> i'm gonna say 99 percent were like what it's a lost cause that's just a term for something <laughs> yes it is a term for something <laughs> <laughs> perfectly not fine metery excellent mead <laughs> yeah it's not like Lost Cause has not become synonymous with that in the same way that saying, like, the swastika metery would be bad. <laughs> okay, that would be significantly worse. I'm not saying that. I'm, what I'm saying is ruling races to me is roughly the same level, where my mind sends up a flag real quick, and then I go, mm, yeah, all right, okay, I guess it's fine. <laughs> Hold on, let me take a look at this. Yeah, yeah. like if I see a, a white lady on her cell phone staring at black fa- a black family doing anything in public. My 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 uh, brain immediately sends up a red flag. I'm like, oh, is she up to some shit? And then, uh, you know, when she keeps walking, I'm like, okay, everything's all right. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, okay. They were roommates. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those flags. Ruling races squeaks <laughs> squeaks me immediately. Now the five races, like I mentioned, none of them are human. There are uh, they are the Brightling, yeah, the Grack, the Loremek or Lormek, the Lormek, I think. Um, the Var Varleth Var Var Vardil Vargas, <laughs> yes, the, the Viva Las Vargas, the, the Circus Vargas, and the Warluck, uh, Warlun, Warlun. Yeah, the the races themselves, you can kind of get a little bit of like, oh, the Brightlings are kind of like your Fey race. Yeah, they're the smallest. They're small. They've got pointy ears. They yeah. aren't really elves. No, they're freaky deaky. Of the five races, they're the weirdest by a mile. <laughs> Like, because the, the Var whatever, the Varlicks or whatever they're called, are just goblins. I mean, kind of. They're, they're just, they just look like goblins. They got big goblin eyes and big ears, and they, they got good at, seeing, teeth. good at seeing at night. You know, they, they're pretty straightforward. 
Uh, Loramek are the weirdest ones. No, no, I'm going with Breitling on this one. No way. The Loramek are like bottom half fawn, top half blue man group. <laughs> I, okay, you know, I'm not saying that's not weird, but let me go through what a Breitling is real quick. They're the littlest and they're probably the best at magic. Yeah. But their deal is that they are very fey. They don't have noses. Nope. Instead, right where their nose would be is a little drawing. They got a couple little drawings of what look like nostrils, mm -hmm. and then they breathe out of their necks. And then they've got, like, these spots that start just underneath their eyes. The first time I saw one, I thought they had, like, walrus tusks that come out, came out of their faces. Because, you know, the drawings in this are not the best. No. But the, they have these two lines that go down below their eyes, like they're crying pool, rivers of blood, that go halfway down their necks. And those are membranes that are semi-permeable, and they breathe through them. Yeah. So every one of them is born with a drawing of a nose where a nose should be. <laughs> Although it's really just like a rune. It just always ends up happening to look like a nose. Uh, uh, and then also two weird semi-permeable goop membranes for breathing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Breitling and Lormek are the two very much weirdest. Yeah. Because the Grack are just dwarves with horns. <laughs> with the stupidest horns. They remind me of the of the, the random devils from Petey Wheatstraw. Oh, they just got tiny little baby horns. They look like they got nipples coming out of their eye eyebrows. Honestly, the first time you see one in the book, the very first drawing of a Grack. It's the very first drawing in the book. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck there's is like, going on with your forehead? There's, there's this a strong, mad, proportioned uh, woman who's just a pure <laughs> rectangle. <laughs> And she's got something coming out of her, her forehead, and I was not sure what it was, no, but nipples. it turns out it's horns. They look, it looks like she's got nipples on her head. <laughs> uh, but they're, I say dwarves just because they're the yeah. short square dudes. Short, stout, square, good at warfare, lots of constitution. Uh, Loramex, I believe, are fast and agile because they are fawn legs. Yeah, and then the top half of them are completely hairless. Mm -hmm. And like, just very. If the Brightlings didn't exist, I'd say close to being featureless. But the Brightlings do exist. Yes, so they at least do have a you know sort of a nose. Uh huh. Uh, Vulcan being Vulcan. Okay. Yeah. Vulcan are the ones that they're just goblins. They, I mean, they're yellow goblins. <laughs> I, I, I in in the inst interest of brevity. <laughs> And the the Warlum is, what if Robert Zadar had stony skin? Yes. They're like basically the, what do you call them, the, the Goliaths from D&D? &D, kind or, of. They're the, they have that stone pebble skin. But yeah, every one of them has this like inflated frog and heat cheek pouch thing going. I mean, it's just a giant jaw. Yeah. And it looks like someone was drawing a regular person and then went, oh, fuck, that's right. And then went back and put a bigger jaw on them because <laughs> it is not proportional to anything. No, it never looks right. They, they kind of have this Robert Zadar playing a Moai statue vibe. And in addition to having stony skin, it's a bunch of little, like, knobs all over them. They got little, yeah. like, knots that are just weird looking. Like, they just look warty. Yeah, a warlum staff just has knobs all over it. <laughs> That's right. You should consult for a doctor. Her <laughs> consult and a doctor for her pleasure. Each one of them gets a couple of minor bonuses to and penalties to uh, uh, some of the six stats. Yeah. Um, and then an innate ability that ranges from very useful to who gives a shit. Yeah, I think what, Grack is the one that's like, you don't need to eat food quite as often. Oh, yeah. You've got one where it's like, ah, you kind of have dark vision. Mm -hmm. And then someone else is like, I heal twice as fast. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see. Okay. Gracks don't need to eat as often. Uh, 
Valken can see in the dark. Uh, Warlum can carry more shit than everybody else. Warlum have uh, tough skin. Oh, sorry, tough skin. They take less damage. Yep. Uh, Brightlings can sense anyone using any kind of magic anywhere within a mile of them instantly. And have shitloads more magic points to start. Yes, and uh, Loramex are fast, I think. was they just, Yeah, their whole thing is they're just quick. They're just quick because they got, they got uh, goat legs. I do like that they say that they have backwards legs. Which they got backwards. Every legs. once in a while, this book will have some like you know high school level understanding of a basic topic, and it's kind of whoops, whoopsie doodles. Where they're like, these guys got backwards legs compared to people, and I'm like, no, they have digitigrade legs. Those aren't backwards. They're just different. <laughs> they're not bad. If you even know what the legs work, they're not backwards because that thing that you think is the knee is just the ankle. <laughs> but hey, do what you can, I guess. And then the other one is my, my favorite, because each one of the uh, the race descriptions gets two pages. One page has a picture, a description, uh, at the, the bonuses and penalties, all of that. The other one gets uh, a list of words in their language and then a drawings of their alphabet. Yeah. So it's, oh, what does their alphabet look like when mm-hmm. written out? And then what does it sound like? Here are some words and what they translate to. Yes. And... Uh, it's interesting to me that, number one, all five of the races have a 26-letter alphabet with different letters that just happen to correspond to the Roman alphabet A through Z. Yep. All of them have an A through Z equivalency. <laughs> Which is, you know, you, this kind of thing where you, a few years down the road when they were making, like, second edition of this, they'd probably be like, oh, right, most alphabets aren't the Roman alphabet with different pictures. Yeah. And then... Additionally, my favorite thing in the Brightling is, uh, if you wanted to know what their language sounds like, it sounds like all the Oriental languages. Mm. I was like, man, no, or- the- most Oriental languages don't sound like other Oriental languages. That's straight up some, um, I'm going to go ahead and say low-grade background, cosmic background racism. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were like, ah, yes, they have words like... Kairu and Teroken. Yeah. Well, they also have the word that is the primary thing that everyone plays as in this game. Shinkai. Yes. You um, are all Shinkai. Yeah. Everyone who's playing in this game is a Shinkai, uh, which is, in case you're curious, uh, I- I'm going to go ahead and guess probably not known to the author, Japanese for deep sea. Nope. Just deep sea, because it doesn't have anything to do with that. No. <laughs> it's just you're a warrior of the light. Yes, it means it's the brightling word for warrior of the light, countered by the evil version of the Shinkai, uh, the var- the Valkin word for shadow creatures, Korgathul. <laughs> uh... And yeah, there's this history. All these five races lived together in harmony and, and were perfectly fine and dominion over the land and they were good stewards and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they sometimes had to kill the other animals and so on to make their foods. And then one day the shadow kin rose burbling up from the ground like oily, evil shadows. And there were many wars and bla- bad things happened. And then nature, as if it sensed the the, uh, the ruling races crying out because their dominion was threatened, uh, gave them all super mystic powers over the land and sea and uh, fire and water and spirit. And, and then they became some cool knights who went off and fought the shadow creatures. And it was great. And they won. Until the shadow creatures rose up right amongst the ranks of the good guys. And now they fight each other. I mean, the actual end is, and then ten dudes got together, channeled too much, blew up all the bad guys and good guys, and then like several hundred years later, the Shinkai are just coming back because the 
Shadowkin are also just coming yes, back. Yes, you're at a reset point. Yeah. Because, yeah, Ten Shinkai got together and we're like, we'll just use the spell to bind all the Shadowkin. And whoops, we blew ourselves up too. Yep. Took too much of the Mystic Forces in and blew up, which is, again, a very Wheel of Time thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, you drew too much from the source, my dude. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I- I'll go talk to that giant about it. Hey, I remembered something from the cover of the Wheel of Time role-playing game. There's a big giant on the cover. Yeah, in Ogier. <laughs> hey, I would have remembered that word given sufficient time. <laughs> and by sufficient time, I mean time enough to turn around and Google it. <laughs> time enough at last. <laughs> ah, there's like three mentions of mutton in the first paragraph about these things. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo, I say. <laughs> I boo Robert Jordan. <laughs> I mean, I don't because you know he's he, very dead. <laughs> not only is he dead, but he did create an incredible body of work that I just personally don't like. I do recognize the value of it. That's okay. <laughs> I've read all of it, and I'm like, eh, you can boo Robert Jordan. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna get my dad on the horn real quick to boo him as his my father. <laughs> uh, now, making a character in Mystic Forces is sad I, i'd <laughs> yes. say is probably the biggest descriptor i can use yes it is uh, it's got a real bad case of earn your fun yeah the the weird thing is they've put so many systems into this game when you make a character one of the first things you choose outside of just being like all right which of the ruling races are you is uh do you want to be a dragon knight Mm-hmm. or an enchanter. And a dragon knight is a Shinkai that can turn into a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can turn into dragons a set number of times per day, uh, and they can upgrade their dragony bits to become more dragony. And uh, each of the different ruling races turns into a different type of dragon, so mm-hmm. they have different uh, like stats for how much damage their bite does and yeah, stuff. They're surprisingly similar, all things considered. They pretty much turn into the same dragon with like, oh, brightlings have a stinger on their tail, so it does extra damage, but they're small, so their bite doesn't do as much. And- Whereas the Warlimer have giant stupid jaws, so they do a ton of damage with their bite. Yeah, but they're slower and they don't have as much of a tail attack. Then It's just that kind of thing. Yeah. So they, they all kind of balance out in the wash, but at least it's neat that they all look different. Yeah, and the other one, the Enchanter, is... Oh, you can use your powers to actually enchant things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only enchanters can make items that are actual magic items. Yeah. So you, I mean, the book says technically there are a bunch of Shinkai that are neither, and you could decide to do that, Mm -hmm. but there is no reason to. Yeah, if you don't do either, then the thing you're left with that all the Shinkai eventually get access to is the mastery of the five mystic forces, which allows you to cast basically spells yeah uh, just elemental attribute magics and and when when they have spells that don't make sense as elemental attributes like say for example web they just go uh it's like an ice web to make it work a lot of it is i keep going back to fucking wheel of time but please it's you know oh i want to make a type of spell that does something and unless you're talking about i straight up hit a dude with fire or i you know make wind Unless you're just doing something very basic, you usually have to blend several of the mystic forces together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you wanted it to rain, you'd be like, oh, I can use water and air, so that way I can make it rain. Yeah. Great. Or I can, you know, just have fat stacks, and then I can make it rain. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if, like, the pussy be popping, then, yeah. (laughs) Make it rain. (laughs) But... 
the <laughs> the way it works is you have to have like certain levels in certain things. So it'll be like, oh, if you want to cast just like a fireball at someone and it's just a fire spell, they're like, oh, you need to have at least like 50 in fire. Yes. But there might be ones where it's like, oh, you want to like make someone's blood boil or whatever. Then you're like, that's fire and spirit because you're doing something to a living person. Mm -hmm. And you might have to have like 60 in spirit and 30 in fire and so on like that. Yes. Now, to become a master in any given mystic force, you need to have a rank of at least 100 in the in the mystic knowledge re regarding that force. Yeah. Now, um, let me ask you something real quick. Well, let's let's start with a couple of questions. <laughs> to gain mastery in a mystic force, you need to spend you need to spend experience to be allowed to do that. It's called light points, and yeah. then you spend meditation rolls to see how many light points you're able to gain. You can get sometimes you as much as a d twenty is is the usual average you would get for if you successfully meditate. You gain a d twenty light points every every time you spend one of these hard bought XPs. Now, please ask me your question. Hey, how much do I start with in any of these? Given that I am a Shinkai a user of the mystic forces, what kind of uh, experience level? I mean, if I'm not a master, let's say, what am I at? Nothing. What, zero. Nothing. Is, is nothing, you, in, you nothing in all five. <laughs> you have a zero rating in everything, which means you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. And which means that the first thing you can try to do is make a bunch of meditation rolls. Uh, this game does a lot of those. This power uses two skill, like uh, two stats. You have to make like... Uh, you know, sometimes there'll be a game where it's like sailing. This combines your leadership and your knowledge skills, and they'll make you like average them or use the worst one or the better one or whatever it is. In this game, whenever a, a uh, role calls for you to use two different attributes, you have to succeed on a roll against both. So you have to do like to meditate. You have to succeed at both an intelligence and then a sixth sense attribute roll, and then you can successfully meditate over like three hours and gain a d twenty points in one of the uh, the mystic forces. Hooray! Um, you start with nothing. And uh, you don't get to make those meditate rolls unless you have light points to spend, which are XP, and you get a couple light points per session. Yeah. They do not come rolling in. No. You're going to get maybe like, ooh, I got four. I'm fucking swimming in shit. <laughs> this so, is great. So uh, your character starts basically able to do nothing. Yeah. If you pick enchanter instead of say dragon knight because a dragon knight can turn into a dragon immediately yes you get your cool dragon attacks you get bonuses to all your physical stats mm -hmm. and that's a thing you can do immediately if you choose enchanter you can do nothing nothing there are three kinds of nothing you can do you can't do mystic force basic spell attacks Oh, four. Four kinds of nothing you can't do. Uh, you can't separate your body from your uh, your soul and send your soul out to engage in soul combat with other people's souls. Yep. That's one of the four. Uh, you can't enchant items with powerful uh, upgrades to, to increase their damage or make it so they return if thrown, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you can't draw the ancient mystic runes of power. Nope. None of those. You, you, you have access to all of them, but you can't do any of it. And you won't be able to for several sessions. And yeah. even when you finally unlock them, because you literally cannot access a Mystic Force with a Mystic Force rating of less than 25. Yep. Uh, once you get a 25 in fire, you're like, ah, finally, I can try to cast the couple fire spells which whose requirement is less than 25. Which is not a lot. Not a lot. Then you still have to make a roll on a table called the Amateur Casting Table. Yeah, you have a Novice Failure Chance, mm -hmm. which is a percentage chance of 20%. But if you roll a 1 through 20, you look at the 1 through 20 chart, 
and one of those things happens to you. Yes. Anywhere from like, oh, you spend all of the points you would like your magic points to do it and nothing happens. Well, yeah, there's if you get the novice failure chance roll, you roll a d20 and none of the things on the d20 are the spell happens. No. Well, it's it's a percentage thing. No, I know. There's a 20% chance of failing a spell at all. But you just look at because it's if you roll a one through 20. So you just look at your one through 20 instead of rolling a d20. No, no, no. Um, I mean, you're not wrong. You the, the uh, but they're they're two separate rolls. Uh, because you you're when you look at the d20 roll, there's there's a section in towards the middle. I think it's like 13 through 18 where the answer where it just says no effect. And on my first read through, I was like, oh, no effect. That's when it, the spell works. I mean, yeah, it's like 25 percent of the time that feels a little weak. But what it actually means is that when you get no effect, it's the spell doesn't happen and nothing bad happens to you. Yes. The other ones are the spell doesn't happen and something bad happens yeah, to you. Yeah, it's like, oh, you get force feedback or whatever and yeah, take you damage. you spend all your mystic force points on it, that kind of thing. But there's no way that once you get this novice fail chance, if you if you get that 20% chance of your spell not working, it, your spell doesn't work. There's not one where it works worse no. or something. No, it's just, uh, did you roll a 1 through 20? Great, you fucking suck now. Yeah, so uh, that's sad. So how do you get over that? How do you get to the point where you no longer have to roll, have a 20% chance of your spell doing nothing every time you try to cast a spell? Well, you need 100 points in every single discipline that is involved in the casting of that spell. Yeah. So, you know, even when you get to, all right, finally, I've got 100 in fire. I fucking cast a fireball without a 20% chance that I just screw myself over. Great. Of course, now if I want to cast any of the spells that are fire and mm -hmm. I am still fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's skills in this game but they, not in the standard way you would think of skills no they're very interesting uh number one you don't start with any at all there's no way to start with any no uh, number two they because, don't because well i mean i'll just say the big thing in this is just stat tests yes you don't really like roll against a skill everything is oh roll against your personality mm -hmm. or uh you're like Ah, uh, fuck. I keep wanting to do stats that aren't in this. Your strength, your agility. Strength, whatever. agility. You, uh, let's do the, there's six of them. They are, they are agility, strength, willpower, uh, endurance, intelligence, and sixth sense. Yep. Okay, so there you go. There's the six stats. Uh, they have an interesting mechanic by how you measure them. Uh, to, to generate your six stats, you start with 30, you roll 5d12, you combine those two numbers, and then you assign as desired among the stats. Of those 5d12 you roll, you can take the bottom two results and re-roll them if you want, but you mm -hmm. have to take whatever you re-roll. Yep. Uh, that means that you have a, sw a very swingy set of stats, because it's anywhere between 35 and 90 points. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a range, but, uh, but yeah, on average, you'll probably have about what 60 and a half or 60 to 65 points. Uh, you, you spread those as desired among your stats. You may think that would give you, you know, on average about a five to a seven in each of your stats. Uh, it doesn't because then what you do is you go and compare oh, no, that would give you a 10 usually. Sorry, sorry. You're right. You're right. Sorry. A 10 in, in all of your stats, but you don't have a 10. You have probably if you have a 10 in all your stats you have a three in all your stats because you go to another table that's like if you have between 10 and 15 you are rank three and everything does a d6 uh and then a range that shows you what a d6's range is it's anywhere between one and six john <laughs> yeah the the game has a weird thing where it breaks everything down into levels mm -hmm. instead of straight up numbers so yes. you're like ah uh, every five for a stat is another level, mm -hmm. which is a weird decision to make, but it also has the same sort of thing for like, ah, get the 
like combine these two stats and then take that number and then look at a different chart to see how fast you go or how much you can lift. It's one of those systems, and you know, there's a lot of systems like this, like D&D is one of those systems, where you'd think you could boil the numbers down to just their bonuses. Where you'd be like, well, I have an 18 strength. I know that means plus four. So I can probably just put plus four in my sheet and call it a day, right? I'm done. No, I still need to keep the 18 for like feet prerequisites and calculating and certain stats. And if I get a and- plus one, I'm at 19. And technically that doesn't give me anything, but I do need to know in case I get an additional plus one past that. Yeah, ex- exactly. So uh, it- it's one of those where you have to keep track of the actual rolled-, rolled result and also the rank level. Normally just the rank level will matter, but sometimes you're like, well, to calculate your hit points or life force you have to add together all the values of agility strength and and endurance uh and then divide by four and round up and then subtract the value of the divided number the divided number from the original number and then that's your injury value yeah no the the numbers that you get in this are just so weird and especially because the book has this thing where I don't know why, but it assumes all of the players in its example are way better than the starting players. <laughs> oh, be- yeah. Because it'll have an example of something that's like, oh, you're trying to, I don't know, attack someone in a combat example. You literally cannot put more than 15 into any stat to start with. Mm-hmm. So even if you are putting a 15 and your race has one of the bonuses to them of like a plus two, mm-hmm. like, great. I can start at a level four. Most of the examples of things are like, well, he has a level eight in this and Mm -hmm. a level seven in this. And a magic sword that increases that level from seven to ten. And you're like, no, I I don't have any of this. The example you're giving me as well also ends up being like, and then, of course, it would be difficult and he fails. And I'm like, then what the fuck do I do? I got a level three and nothing. Yeah, this is a classic example of one of those games that starts you as an absolute dirt farmer. Like, yeah, it you doesn't can... <laughs> seem like it wants to, no. because when it's talking about it, it's like, you're one of the chosen Shinkai that can master the mystic forces. You can turn into a dragon. You can enchant magical artifacts. You're fucking amazing. Also, you're kind of terrible, by the way. You, well, a good, a face... good one of you can do all these things. You can't. Yeah, if you went out you're and just tried a little to fight guy. like... <laughs> a monster some monster would come up to you and be like rah and you'd be like whoa hey 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 come on i'm just a little guy hey, it's my birthday <laughs> i'm a birthday boy come on yeah I, i'm a little birthday boy <laughs> yeah so so uh it's got a it's got a real strong problem with uh well I, I mean we've seen this a lot in older games it's very clear that they design them so that you can play them from the ground up as like an absolute chumpling who has to earn their fun for forever. But that's not fun to write about. And that doesn't make for a fun story in your game. So instead, when you're writing the the examples, you're just like, I don't know, everyone's the rough equivalent of being level 10. Uh, everyone's a big damn hero and they have cool badass adventures. And you're like, well, if that's the only thing that even you, the author of the book, is interested in in the slightest, then maybe cut out the shit under it. There's even a point in character creation where, you know, it has all the things like write down your stats, write down the like your life points and your injury rating and so on and so on. One of them is your physical and mystical defense value, uh-huh. <laughs> which only exists at a level six or higher. Yeah. Which is 
basically double what you would start with. You cannot possibly have a level six. So there's this part where it's like, during character creation, you're going to go through, and for your physical and mental defense rating, just add yourself a plus one for each rank above, or from six and above. And and then it doesn't be mention, like, oh, by the way, you will absolutely not have anything here. <laughs> you it just moves. It just moves on to the next paragraph. And it happens a couple times, because prowess rating, which is like a generic bonus you get to add to... Uh, I think melee attacks and stuff like that, or just attacks in general, is, uh, you know, add together two of your stats and compare it against this chart. And when you, the charts, for whatever reason, is hidden at the very fucking back of the book. But when you get back there, no matter what those two relevant stats are, I think they're strength and agility, no matter how high you have managed to crawl them to by just putting 15s in both and maybe playing a Warlum or something that gets a bonus there, you are an amateur. Yeah. There's you are only, a piece of shit that yeah, sucks. Because the, the range for amateur is between like 1 and 35 or something. You cannot get there. It's it's just sad that the author should have known this, given how every example, every time it talks about a character, it's like, yeah, you've got all these cool things you can do, and it doesn't let you play with any of the toys to start. Mm -hmm. And it's not even like a... Oh, because we want you to have an opening session where you're like, oh, you must first learn things. You're like, yeah, no, it's going to take like six sessions before I'm even close to being a novice mm -hmm. in something. Yeah, you notice how MMOs have stopped being like EverQuest, where you like you start as a level one chumpster and you, you go, know, I have go, to go punch rabbits I, for I'm twenty go, levels. Yeah, I'm gonna go punch rabbits until I can finally venture out of the starting zone because that doesn't fucking hook your audience. <laughs> Because that shit sucks ass. The audience wants to feel like a badass right the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> and when your entire leveling experience is, I kicked a scorpion until I got five levels, then I kicked a slightly larger red scorpion. You're like, oh, wow, I'm great. Oh, look at this, guys. I managed to get to level seven. I can kill a scorpion that is named Scorpok. <laughs> Ooh, he might drop a belt. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... It's so sad, and especially because the systems are so interesting. The way skills work in this is instead of it being like, oh, you get, you know, plus one to your roll for every skill level. Different skills have a different number of skill levels, anywhere from like two to 12. Yeah, if you have something like arm wrestling is a skill in this game, for example, and there's only like one rank in it, because what the fuck extra you need to know about arm wrestling. But one like... um. Alchemy, Alchemy has like 12. Alchemy has six, I think, is the total. Um, oh, it's got is, is, Oh, you're load. right. Alchemy's the one with 10. I think the next highest was the one with six. Yeah, and all of them are either sort of a gatekeeper thing for like, oh, can you pilot a ship? If you have rank one in the skill of being a boat captain, you're like, oh, you can do small boats. Yeah. And if you wanted to do like, I want to be the captain of a large ship, well, you're going to need the max, which is rank three in that. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting to say some of them are like, oh, you got to rank two in, you know, uh, tracking, and now you actually do just get a plus two to your tracking skill, but you also get the ability to now, like, track in weird environments and do other stuff. Yeah. So instead of it just being a numerical value, a lot of it is unlocking things you can do. Yes, um, this creates a couple of interesting things. First of all, like I mentioned way earlier, there's no XP value associated with this. If you want to learn a skill, there's a, uh, a role you have to make. You have to make a series of, of successful stat rolls, and there's an amount of time you have to spend. So, for example, if you want to learn, like, level two sculpture, 
You need to spend a minimum of three hours in at least one hour chunks working on sculpting and making at least one or two sculptures out of wood. Then you can you, you are a rank two sculptor if you succeed at making the couple of test rolls to see if you get there or not. Yeah, great. And now that you're rank two, uh, you you can have a sculptor's kit in order to train for the rank and you can carve stone. Yeah. Now that you're a rank two, because normally you could carve wood at rank one. Rank two, you can carve stone because everyone knows if if you are a marble sculptor, you started by whittling. <laughs> yes. There are some things where they don't take into account that disciplines don't always work that way. Where it's not like, how do you learn to be the captain of a ship? Well, first, you need to learn how to be the captain of a rowboat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Rowboat captaincy is not an especially important position. Also, if I'm at rank two and it's like, yeah, you can do medium-sized ships, and I go to a larger ship, am I just like... What is this shit? <laughs> How do big boat work? A faux castle and an aft castle? I can't do this. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm out. I'm folding under this pressure, guys. <laughs> I uh, mean, but um, certain other ones just unlock bonuses. Like, there's literally a skill that's just fight good, and if you take it, then you get bonuses to fighting. Yeah. But they're, like the, the thing is, the only thing stopping you from having these skills is being able to find a trainer, because they just ha all have a requisite of like someone who's higher rank than you needs to teach you how to do this, and have the time it takes. Yeah. And, you know, there's a difficulty to it, so there is a chance you'll be like, oh, I want to learn how to climb and get rank one. All right. Only training time is an hour. Yeah. It's difficulty seven. So if you fuck up on your roll, then, you know, you don't learn anything from that hour of climbing. It's unlikely you will, because in order to beat difficulty, the way this game's basic mechanic, this is probably an important thing to mention. No, probably. Yeah, you, you add the rank value of a st of the relevant stat. So, for example, climbing is agility. So you take your climbing, a uh, starting character, almost definitely agility three. Almost and, certainly. Uh, and then you roll a d12 and see if the combined value of those two things, plus any other bonuses you might have, you won't, beats a seven. Yeah, That's so, all. you know, if you get a four up on a D12 and you spend an hour, great. You learned how to climb. Yeah. Fabulous. And that's I, I like the idea that there's no, like, gatekeeping mechanic to that. You could just, if you can make the roll, you can learn the skill if you have the time. Uh, I mean, the, the problem, of course, as we've consistently harped on throughout this review, is that you start as, like, one of the pre preeminent warriors of this, of this era, and you don't know anything. Oh, yeah. And... You don't have any skills. The problem with... The skills, even though it's interesting to make skills not be just numerical bonuses for the most part, what it means is I know it's a gatekeep. Yeah, it like creates... I can't be. Oh, I I have a background where I grew up, you know, near a lake, and I know how to use a boat. No, you don't. Fuck you. I don't care what your background is. You have no idea what a boat looks like. Yeah. It creates negative space. We've talked about this a lot, especially more commonly you see this in source books when they add new skills that break up what the old skills used to do. Yeah. Where you'll see a book, the, the core book gives you like computer use as a skill. And there's a there's a section under computer use for how to use it for hacking. And then a source book comes out and it adds a hacking skill. And all of a sudden your character doesn't know how to fucking hack anymore because there's a new book. Yeah. It cre uh, a lot of the time when, when games add a, a mechanic for something, it creates a thing where something you thought everyone in the world should at least have a chance to do now they just don't oh yeah you know as soon as it comes out and they're like oh as long as you have this feet you can swing from a chandelier and now you're like 
oh, fuck, you mean I never could have before and can't until I get this? Yeah. Weird. It, it feels weird. Like, anyone could presumably jump up and try to grab a chandelier. Yeah, you might do an ass job, but what if you're just especially dexterous? You could probably pull it off. Uh, you, you see that a lot here. I mean, arm wrestling is a skill. That means that unless you spend the time and learn it, you just do not know what arm wrestling is. <laughs> it's very weird. People can explain it to you, but until you pass a series of strength checks, you do not know. Uh, oh, there is also another version of the test for things which doesn't take your stat into account. Right. And is just a D12, mm -hmm. but it only comes up like a couple times. Well, what's weird about this, I mean, I, I won't even say it's weird. This is just a sign of the times of an amateur role-playing game design, is they come up with this fairly straightforward mechanic for how to determine success on things. Yeah, D12 they, plus your level. D12 plus your level against a target difficulty. But then... Every chapter opens with 12 pages of new roles you use for everything in that chapter. So it is impossible to get a mental grasp on things where you're like, well, how do I calculate my number of mystical attunement point specialty track abilities and the number I can use per turn? Oh, well, that's easy. You just have to roll the following weird new role I just made up just now. <laughs> I just decided, fuck it. This sounds good. Here on page 131, I added a brand new rule and role you need for it. Why didn't you use the one, the really simple one that you introduced? You already have one. The one you introduced at the start of the book that <laughs> makes perfect sense and is fairly intuitive. No way, I want to go out for more rules. I know we have rules at home, but I don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> one small black rule, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, the fact that this book just feels like someone was grasping at something and just missed all of it. Because, like, <laughs> oh, I want to have cool new races and it's like they got really close and just didn't quite get there none of them are i didn't come away from this thinking any of the five races are like cool they're no. just they're just weird it, it's all of them i'm like oh i want to make a new cool skill system you were so close and no mm -hmm. oh, i want to make the the way that you make stats interesting yeah you didn't though i want i want it so that literally half the people who are playing this game from the jump can turn into a dragon form and breathe breath weapons and use their claws and bites and stuff to to attack people all the time that's really neat uh, is it super powerful no no uh, it increases the stats by small numbers you're basically going to go up two in yeah, any given two level because it adds 10 to the base value of all of your physical or of every attribute with six cents which and decreases intelligence. oh and intelligence i think intelligence, intelligence stays, stays the same yeah, and, and six cents goes down goes decreases by five but all of the physical stats go up by 10 yeah uh which means generally speaking two ranks yeah but it and it's it's just not that impressive also if you get hurt in the dragon form it comes with you back into your into your non-human your, your ruling race form uh it's it's like it it's a neat idea, but it doesn't work in execution. Plus, if you plan to play a short game, you better believe everyone's going to play Dragon Knight because at least they get something. Even if someone tells you, guys, we're in this for the long haul, we're going to play a ton of this. Why would you start as an enchanter? Because there's always the risk that, no, you aren't. And given this game, no, you aren't. Also, who wants to play as an enchanter? I mean, yeah, I guess you could make yourself a lot of cool weapons. But if you're the enchanter, you're the party enchanter. Yeah. And sure, you might go like, ooh, but I could make some cool runes and be like, I'm going to use rune magic that no one can. You're like, yeah, but all you're doing is inscribing runes on my sword so that it's cool. Yeah, or on my dragon hide so that I can dragon better. Yeah, you're just going to write the rune for fire on my sword so my sword's on fire. 
fucking enchanter. <laughs> Get good. Learn to spell twist. Yeah, it's uh, it's oh, one more thing you get to select. Oh, just one more thing. Yeah, there's one more thing you get to select during character creation that I found particularly hilarious, which is your specialty. Oh yes, this game has seven specialties. Uh, they are very interesting. Uh, they are. Uh, I'll see if I can remember them even off the top of my head here. Uh, edged edged melee weapons, blunt melee weapons, archery. I'm sorry, it's non-edged melee. I'm oh, sorry, non. It's called the the uh, blunt lord i think it was uh, or or smash lord because each one of them has a title that you get if you take it and so there's, there's wow i was known as the smash lord in high school weirdly i was known as the edge lord <laughs> and there we are i mean it was actually blade lord that's a real bummer there but but yeah there's so i had watched blade a lot and would not <laughs> shut up about it he kept calling me calling me a total blade lord and i'd be like hey don't call me that and halfway through saying it they'd be like dun 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 i'd be like oh that song again it's that really long blue order remix or blue monday or new order new order remix new monday new blondars i hate new mondays I'm Garfield, and I hate new Mondays, but I love the new flesh lasagna. <laughs> okay, so, sorry, sorry, blades, non-blades, ranged, but archery, I'm sorry, ranged, archery, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's big four, uh, they're unarmed, so you got five attack types, right? Yeah. And then what are the last two? Nature, which is just like ranger tracking and stuff like that. And then the wildest one by a country mile, defending. Which, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, sweet. When I make my character, I'm going to make him a defending character because then I can be like a tank. Good at defense. Yeah, that's great. I can get a sword and board. Go do that. Defending is rogue skills it's it's thief stuff it's things like hiding in shadows and moving silently and the specialty when you get it does nothing because all of the specialties have like 10 ranks of abilities that you can get Mm -hmm. so it'll be like all right what's the first rank in defending pick locks yeah so before you can get anything you got to learn how to pick locks okay cool uh why? Eh. Anyway, I mean, once you get to, like, the fifth ability, then it gives you a bonus to defense. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Why is it called defending? It's such a weird offshoot thing to, to see, like, because, <sighs> I mean, even by the standards of 2000, when tank wasn't really a word that everyone said constantly, uh, uh, yeah. it, was, it, was starting, it was already starting. The concept had already really seeped into video games. Yeah. Uh, defending still implies defending yeah like it and the picture for it is a shield yes you but, motherfucker but then all the abilities are pick locks move silently hide in shadows backstab now these are all <laughs> specialties you can get and honestly even some of the uh like weapon things you can do still come with nonsense garbage that doesn't make a lot of sense well, some of them are just hilarious on the face of them like there's an ability called uh quick attack which is making two attacks and there's an ability called two attacks where it starts by saying this may seem like it's making two attacks but it's making one big attack <laughs> like why don't you reverse the names of those this is weird <laughs> i guess 2000 was before the invention of the word processor one could not backspace <laughs> into Mordor. And you only get to pick one and you never get to change it. 
So if you're like, all right, I'm a cool edged weapon master. I'm the blade master. It's me. I've got quick hand and swift strike and I've, I've started going down this thing. If you ever want to have survival training or the ability to track, you cannot ever because you didn't pick nature. Yes. And same thing. You can't ever pick a lock because lock picking isn't a skill where you can learn it. Mm-hmm. You have to have chosen defending and then spent light points on getting this talent. Now, let me ask you a quick question here, John, because I feel like we ought to take turns asking each other questions. Of course. Uh, when you choose your specialty, which you are forced to do during character creation, uh huh. which ranks of your specialty do you acquire during character creation? Why? None of them, my boy. <laughs> Is it nothing day already? <laughs> yeah. The spirits did it in no nights. <laughs> so annoying every time it's like you're gonna be a cool wizard you can't cast spells you gotta pick a specialty to how you fight you don't do it (laughs) i like that it forces you to still pick one even though you get nothing like there's you might as well if you if you're gonna give the player nothing you might as well at least let them pick when they choose the first one yeah to be be like like, see how you feel when you're playing yeah let me spend points on something and then lock me into it instead of just being like Yo, it's going to be like 12 sessions because obviously the first thing you're going to do is spend your points on being an actual wizard. And then maybe you'll be like, all right, I'll spend some light points on this. Oh, I can pick locks, you say. <laughs> it's, it's just silly. It's such a it's like a literal Monty Hall thing where you're just choosing what's behind door number two. <laughs> and they also have another set outside of those that are just universal talents. Mm-hmm. So in addition to being able to be like, oh, I could pick locks, you can take stuff like I have fucking crisis control, which lets you do a desperate deed, which is essentially you get a bonus, but you can spend a light point to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is you can do that once without spending a light point. Great. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't want to I don't want to sleep on a few other things that are present here in the game. Um, the combat system is one of those combat systems that does everything in phases and has like action declaration and defense setting and so on. You know, kind of an older combat system. Yeah. Uh, it, it describes itself as being quick paced and brutal. And then it gives you an example that is one round of combat that takes six pages of the book. And it's like, ah, it's Joe's phase one, which makes it the Bristle Wolf's phase four. During Joe's phase one, he declares that he will do an action. We'll we'll pick up that again in phase three. Now, during phase two, <laughs> there's there's also the writer was like, well, what happens if someone has the initiative and they want to do a melee attack, but they're not next to you? And the person they are running to has a ranged attack, but they have a lower initiative. Normal games are just like, well, on your turn, you move and then attack that guy. Yeah, but moving is like phase six. Well, in this one, it's (laughs) if you try to attack someone in melee, but you're not already next to them, then you have to move. So moving means you don't get to attack immediately. The person you're attacking can attack you because they have a ranged attack. However, if they were melee attacking, then they would wait until you get to I'm like, just fucking who cares i don't why is this so complicated Mm -hmm. why are there so many phases (laughs) uh another thing that's fun to me is that you can choose to add your strength value to damage uh it keeps telling you to pick an amount of your strength to add to damage but it's not like you have to measure that it's not like you run out of strength after a while so i guess it's just if you don't want to kill the thing you're swinging at you can choose to reduce the amount of strength damage you inflict yeah because it 
given that the book is full of examples of someone being like, well, they've got a level 10 strength. And I'm like, that's weird. Cause that means they got like 40 more points of stat than I do. Yes. But discounting that, that's also kind of like, all right, I guess if you get to that point and you're like, I don't know, I hit some random guy. I guess you might not want to just explode his face off. So sure. Yeah. So every point of strength that you get through with damage does two damage. Uh, and then you also add that to the... Of course, this is level damage, not number yeah. strength damage. And then you add the rank value damage of your weapon, the damage value of your prowess ranking, the an additional just 12 points that's just there. That's just part of the damage calculation. Part of it. Uh, the yield damage from your weapon itself, plus any bonuses it might have. And then you uh, compare all of those numbers against their defense rating and anything that gets through is damage that they take and anything that don't uh, doesn't get through is damage that their their armor or their shield takes because everything's got trackable damage in this well, game. Well, yeah, because you're like, here's a giant amount of numbers, and then I got to compare it to your giant amount of numbers, and if anything gets through and it gets through the armor then you'll take some damage. But you also have an injury rating, which if you take enough damage, then in addition to just taking hit points, you also get an injury. Now, you may be wondering, where's that injury? Well, don't worry. There's hit location. <laughs> don't so you fret about that, <laughs> baby gonna boy. It's going to definitely get the hit location chart. If you want to know what the armor value for every single part of your body is, it's there. Yeah. Now, you also, when you're rolling to an attack, you always roll a d12, just like for every other skill in the game. Uh, but here... The D12 is called the proficiency die, and if you roll a 1 on it, your attack is automatically considered a feeble attack, and in that case, you don't get the 1. Uh, instead, you roll an additional D6 and subtract that from every other part of your attack value to see if you can still hit even with a minus D6 and no value from the D12. If you roll a 12, then that is a critical hit, and you add an additional D8 of damage unless your strength is higher than rank 5, in which case you add a D10 of additional damage. Now, that may sound like it's the crit mechanic. And it is. It's half of the crit mechanic. It's a crit mechanic. Now, if your roll is more than twice the defense value of the attack, the, uh, of the uh, defender's attack, that is an additional crit. And then you roll an extra d10 plus six damage. And if you roll a 10 on that d10, you get to roll another d10 and add to that d10. Uh, and if you triple the damage, <laughs> then you get a cupy doll. <laughs> it's so fast and efficient. <laughs> uh, this is. The story of a girl. Yes. <laughs> this book cried a river and drowned the whole world. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's it's so interesting to me to see a game like this that isn't a and d heartbreaker, but is just a heartbreaker in that it is heartbreaking to see someone really put all of their love into this and it's bad i mean i'll give it there's some things to be credited for this book uh it, it, what it is most notably is a book out of time it's yes. it's an anachronism as far as books go because by 2000 there was a universal lingua franca for how game design more or less looked and worked you knew what fucking defending meant uh you, you started to know that maybe people don't like d12s all that goddamn much maybe you shouldn't base your whole game around them uh you, there's you do, you you knew that that satanic panic was at least winding down, so you didn't need to make start your book with an impassioned full page argument about how books aren't the work of the devil. You guys, sometimes they're okay. Oh, but also, yes, sometimes some of them are the work of the devil, but not this one. <laughs> this one's cool, <laughs> and all that stuff tells was screaming to me all the way through. I was reading. I was like, my reading in my head, I was like, 
1985. Oh, yeah. Bowling for Soups, 1985. (laughs) 100% this book, like I said before, it feels like someone found it and published it in 2000 rather than it was written in 2000. came out of a fucking time capsule. Someone buried this in the late 80s and then somebody else found it. Bunch of dry ice smoke. Whoosh. Oh my goodness, a book in need of publishing. (laughs) What is this, some text? This gotta go to the printer. (laughs) Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Um, there are, I mean, some of the story's okay. Uh, there's a lot of inventive stuff here, but ultimately none of it really adds up to much. No, there's a lot of passion, but not a lot of substance. Yeah. Uh, it, it also very heavily suffers from the problem of everything you're reading about, you're not going to get to use. Uh-huh. The other thing that constantly shows up all the way throughout the whole book is the concept of green steel which is oh, just yeah. this game's magical metal. So every time they mention any kind of weapon or armor or uh, item, they mention, oh, by the way, if it's made of green steel, add the following effects. You are never going to see that. No. Green steel, enchanting, all of these the effects. runes, yeah. It's just this ephemeral maybe on the horizon that will never exist. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole concept of spirit combat. You can only do it if you're a Shinkai non-Dragon Knight but you can send your mind out of your body to go fight other minds that came out of bodies. Yeah, you can go do astral projection fights. Yeah, but that's all it does. You can't use it for anything else. All you, and you can't fight people who, aren't in their, who are in their bodies. It's literally for popping out of your body to slap fight people that are also popped out of their bodies. <laughs> hey, sometimes. Yeah, you never know when you need to do that. Anyway, that's... We've said a lot. Yeah. Mystic so, Forces is bad yeah i mean i don't i i can't imagine anyone's gonna rush off and seek this book out immediately so it might be might be kind of hard to find nowadays yeah from positive role-playing ink again a, a sign that this is you know a very small house that pretty much just made this yep their game that's like hey our game is cool and good not like those other games that might be satan well i mean the top on the special thanks and acknowledgements is god yes so you know well that's just his haven game operations director yeah and his wife <laughs> Who is also God for his Haven game. <laughs> I think she might be the Hollyhock God for his Nobilis games. Uh, anyway, John, what would you say is your favorite thing about, um, you turned the book over Mystic and now I can't Forces. remember what it's called. Thank you, Mystic Forces. <laughs> right, e- eternal sunshine. <laughs> Just slips right out. <laughs> Greased up text. Can't is get... there a horror movie about a person who literally cannot be remembered? <laughs> Like, like that's the villain's trick. I mean, there's Doctor Who, and the silence. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, all right, that's fair. Yeah, that that's right. That's Doctor Who villain, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But that was like I was like, that's a great idea for a horror villain. Is a villain who like no matter what, you absolutely cannot remember that you had an encounter with them. Yeah, it is a great idea. And Doctor Who had it already. Good, <laughs> they did it. That's fair. Uh, so I think my favorite thing mm-hmm. in Mystic Forces, and there are a few things that I feel are decent ideas yeah and i think my favorite has to be the idea of skills as non-numerical things uh obviously the execution very much falls short oh yeah but the idea of having it be you learn how to do something rather than doing it better you learn a way in which to perform something yeah and i like the idea that you're like oh yeah you know you have a basic level of competency and whatever, but 
when you pick a skill, it means you're trying to develop something in there. Yeah. So I like that. To, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. To quote Babs, you don't love this book. You love the ideas of this book. I guess to paraphrase. I guess to paraphrase. And also to call Barbara Streisand Babs, which I assume everyone does. Everyone. That's the only person I can think of who is called Babs. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I immediately went to Bunny from Tiny Toons. <laughs> to quote Babs from Tiny Toons, <laughs> no we're relation. all a little loony. <laughs> but there you go. What is your favorite thing in Mystic Forces? Uh, um... I'm kind of there with you where the con- where there's a few concepts I like. Yeah. Uh, I'm and I'm going to say it's the whole concept that the Dragon Knight just day one can turn into a fucking dragon and rampage around. Great idea. Yeah. That's neat. That uh, you've seen it in other games. This is kind of an early one for that concept, but the idea that your character's just like, yeah, what's your thing? Oh, I turn into a dragon and I rampage and it's rad. Yeah. And I get to try- I get to turn into a big combat beast and just it- which feels like the one thing that any cool character in this game will ever do. Yep. So that's going to be my favorite thing. God, you know, I, realize, I was listening to you talk, but I was also realizing I don't like Doctor Who, but a lot of their villains are really good. I don't like Doctor Who, but the show is real good. No, it's not. Like, oh, a lot of their terrible. villains are also really bad. Like, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Daleks are just fucking trash cans, and I've never liked them. And I, Yeah, I, but here's the thing. Yeah. Daleks are trash cans, and they're great. <laughs> and I, also, I, here's the thing, Jeff. Why don't you Dalek my nuts? <laughs> Uh, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm not even trying to get into the argument about like, oh no, stairs or whatever people always say about Daleks. I'm just like, they're kind of one note, you know, they're just exterminate or whatever, but weeping angels, that's a cool concept. Oh yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of very cool ideas for things. Yes. So, you know, maybe I'm coming around on Doctor Who, uh, in regards to every aspect of it, but voluntarily watching it. <laughs> in regards to every aspect, but <laughs> watching people act. <laughs> I like lots of the actors who have played Doctor Who in other things. Jessica Actually, Jones. Actually, they played the Doctor. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. They played the Doctor, the Time Lord of Gallifrey or whatever the fuck. I don't care. You know that. <laughs> I know you don't care. <laughs> anyway, my least favorite thing about Mystic Forces mm. is there's no Doctor Who. In no. Uh, the worst thing in Mystic Forces is the dangling carrot of power. Specifically, I'm going to go with the actual magic system. Mm -hmm. The fact that you start with no capability of engaging with an entire core system of this game and won't be able to engage with it for a while. And even when you do, you will be treated like a knucklehead who constantly blows himself up for One forever. One five times, you'll just be like, I've spent all my magic points. Even when you get up to like, yo, I've got 90 points in this. You'd think I'm good enough now. No, you're not at 100. Go fuck yourself. you got to be at 100. And then lots of the spells require numbers way above that. There's at least one spell in this game that requires at least 105 in all four of the disciplines. Yeah. And it's the most egregious thing in this book that you would put something like that and then tell the player, you are not allowed to play with this yet. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, that's real bad. That's real bad. And for you, the worst thing. Uh, I'm going to, I more or less won't agree. With, I'm probably going to go with the specialties for the same reason. Because you see them and you're like, oh, I get that. That's a neat idea. And plus the idea that they're kind of your class identity or your specialty identity because they give you a name. Like, oh, well, if you take this one, you're a blade lord. You're the master of swords. Oh, what does that translate to? Nothing. You <laughs> Literally nothing. You get that title. Done. 
Uh, so that's kind of a disappointment. The concept that, you know, you can, you become famous throughout the, the ranks of the Shinkai Knights because you're like, well, I am the master of thrown weapons. Although granted, almost all of the thrown weapon abilities that are interesting are you spin a lot and that makes your, your thrown thing go faster. Yeah. There's three of them. That's a good trick. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is you dive into a spinning roll and when you come up, you throw a thing and because of the roll, you throw it faster. Hell yeah. One of them is you jump in the air and spin around a whole lot and throw the thing and that makes the throw faster. <laughs> Well, what about spinning and then throwing multiple things? That's the third one, Ding. and it makes the throws faster. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, what anime was he watching where, where someone threw knives and they were doing a bunch of jumpy spins? Uh, all of them? <laughs> There's probably a particular one. Like, you know, if you see someone introduce the... Oh, actually, I think it was probably uh, influenced by the Gleeman from uh, Wheel of Time. Ah, thank you, yes. <laughs> Like, if you see someone do the thing where they unfold their coat and there's 300 Derringers in it, you're like, that person's been watching Trigun. Like, you know. <laughs> that that person's been watching Trigun or Boondock Saints, maybe. <laughs> this guy wouldn't watch Boondock Saints. He'd, he'd mark that as a tool of Satan. <laughs> no, you're a tool of Satan. This show has a gay person in it. I shan't. <laughs> you're for tools. <laughs> You get to be like, no, Willem Dafoe's acting. I don't think he's actually gay. And also, no one's that gay. <laughs> also, go walk into the ocean. <laughs> Just keep walking. <laughs> oh, walk into the ocean. <laughs> there you go. Hey, man. Would you play this? No, obviously not. It's it's unplayably bad. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and say it. The fact that I can't remember what the book is called if your drink is blocking the headlight, the, the title... <laughs> then that that should be a strong indicator of whether or not this put any hooks into me. And no. No, There are no hooks here. There are pseudopods. <laughs> no suckers. Just wet, this is, slappy bits. This is one of those claw games set to irritate children. Just at the bottom maximum, uh, minimum grip level. Oh, yeah. This goes up, and it doesn't try and grab something out of the claw game. It just gently caresses it on its way. The claw doesn't even close. It doesn't even do that part. It just goes down and back up. It is so, <laughs> it, it's weird because I'm like, I will remember this game specifically for how angry it made me, <laughs> and you will not because there's no reason to. <laughs> I'll remember being a little squicked out by the concept of ruling races, and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> oh, and also the, the fact that one of the species has a language that sounds like all the Oriental languages. <laughs> you know, the Oriental ones. It sounds like Tagalog and, or Tagalog and Korean. Both at the same time. It's exactly the same as both of those and for several hundred other languages. Also, all of them use the alphabet A through Z. Great. <laughs> but drawn in little circles. A little, little circle. So no, no, I wouldn't play this. Uh, I don't want to. I don't care to. It's just it's just a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. But hey, why not support us by listening to us make characters in it anyway over at patreon.com slash system mastery. Yeah, if you want to know the characters that we made in this that can't do anything and suck ass, then by God, you can head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Give us a buck and listen to us be sad. I hear characters that suck ass and my, my head immediately starts filling it, filking out the rest of the angry video game nerd theme song, but with our stuff. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to say a bunch of things about Buffalo diarrhea. I don't want to live that guy's tortured life. <laughs> I'm not in there. I'm not in there. I don't want to attach myself to pocket protectors and rolling rock as a thing I have to do in order for anyone to know who I am. Uh, 
God bless the whole medium of a podcast where I don't need to visually keep the same look or else everyone will get angry at me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, patreon.com slash system mastery. Support us instead of the angry video game nerd. Yeah. Uh, who I assume has a Patreon. I mean, why wouldn't I mean, he? I assume he makes an ass load of money. Yeah, he's and rich we as make fuck, nothing. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need the help. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Quit supporting people that already make money. Support us. <laughs> you know that money you're about to just put in an envelope and mail to Critical Role? <laughs> you know when you were like, you know, I think one of the McElroys could use another dollar. They don't. They don't need it. <laughs> they don't even live in California where everything's expensive. I think the they live in Texas and North Carolina. Something like that. Something like that. I don't remember. But send us their money. Get their money and send it to us. Instead of buying a die that says Critical Role on it. Buy a die that says System Mastery. <laughs> and then just write Critical Role on it in Sharpie. Your friends won't notice the difference, but we'll reap the profits. <laughs> it, it's so easy. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of levels of the Patreon where you can support us to unlock yet more cool content. And more of us bitching. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> hey, I'm having fun. I'm actually happy with our current situation. Oh, I love everything and yeah. everyone, but especially the listeners. Uh-huh. And especially Bart especially the listeners who give us money. <laughs> uh, no one who listens to System Mastery could be evil. <laughs> the System Mastery. The. <laughs> uh, also, we have books. There's books you can buy now that are by us and more books coming out soon. A cookbook even. Thank you so much for supporting us. I'm starting to feel the after effects of the uh, booster shot I got earlier today. So so I'm going to sign off now and then shiver my way through the bonus content. You all have a really good one. Bye.